Welcome to the third episode of the Comms Collective podcast, a podcast for professionals working in the communications industry. My name's Anne Buckland, and in this episode, we'll be speaking to Joel Buckland, the founder of We Do Stories, the digital and content marketing agency. Joel, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm very well, thank you. Joel, tell me a bit about yourself. I'm the founder of We Do Stories. Uh, We Do Stories is a digital marketing and content agency that I started back in 2008. Tell me a bit about your background. So I've done quite a range of things. I grew up in the media industry. I was lucky enough to have an experience as a child actor. Then in my teens, I got a job in an edit facility in London. So I grew up around that culture. But the one thing that really sat with me was digital. I was building websites in the 90s on GeoCities and absolutely loved it. And so I carried on going from there. And in 2008, whilst working with the Ethiopian government, I realized the power that stories can have both on business and on a whole nation in their situation. And it was out of that experience that I decided to found Weedy Stories. So you started in production very early on and had an early use of digital. What was it that took you into marketing specifically? Quite early in my career, I had the fortune to work with Aegis Trust that was doing a campaign called Fund for Darfur. What they were looking for at the time was a lot of the production skills that I came with, um, but particularly how to use those production skills online. The Fund for Darfur campaign was raising attention to stop the genocide going on in Darfur at the time. With that job and a few others, I had quite an exposure to how to get that message out digitally, and it fascinated me. My background in digital meant I was able to laterally think around problems. I already knew of some of the platforms that they could embrace. Um, Now, we were getting messages out from people on the ground in Darfur, getting them back to the UK, producing content out of them. And then getting that content as widely spread as we could. So um, not just throughout the UK, but throughout Europe, to America, so that we could get it to enough people to take action. From there, I got got to work with some other charities in in that uh, respect and found that the the production skills and the digital skills somewhat go hand in hand. That blend of skill sets, that constant learning, that's where I'm comfortable. I, I, I embrace change very quickly. I love change. Um, and so it, it became a natural fit for me. What kind of changes have you seen in the digital marketing arena since you started working in it? When I first started working in it, I must admit, it was kind of for, for the weird type. We weren't really taken seriously. And so I remember telling people about YouTube very early on and mm-hmm. somewhat being laughed at that these were rubbish home videos that people are making uh, for their family. And, and it's not a serious place to put content. And now look at it. You know, you've mm. got entire production companies dedicated to YouTube, entire marketing departments dedicated to YouTube. It's the second biggest search engine in the world. So now people take it seriously. People understand it. But in the early days, it wasn't, wasn't taken seriously. Websites, there wasn't enough going on to really worry about it. You'll get found. Um, now, not only is it taken seriously, but everyone's in it. The tricky nature of everyone being in it means the competition's higher. At the same time, people are embracing it. People are more willing to have those conversations as if it's a serious uh, way of communicating now. Well, what is it that fascinates you about communication? That, that's an interesting question because I think for each person in the communication field, it may be something different. Um, 
but you know more of my backstory, which I think is where you're going with this. Um, I'm I'm dyslexic, um, but I also grew up in a culture where um, amongst my peers, I was seen as a minority just because of the area I grew up in. Um, there was m- multiple languages. So communication for me was always a challenge, but f- for my personality type, that made it more interesting. So I was really into acting and that gave me uh, the ability to understand human behavior and, or on an analytical level. And once I'd analyzed it, I was able to then understand the rights and wrongs of it and what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong. And then digitals just helped take that further, take that to another level. The other aspect of it that I um, absolutely adore is the story part. I don't think we can take stories out of communication. Stories help us learn. Stories help us grow. They help build communities. They help us identify ourselves. Life wouldn't have evolved in the way it has without stories. And so to me, it's the essence of being human. I like your comment. Stories are the essence of being human. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. I think they're what unite us with other people. They're how we share experiences. They're how we find common ground with other people. And and what you're saying about comms is fascinating. So you're saying that there isn't just an art to communication, but there's a science. There's a science that lives underneath the communication that helps us analyse behavioural patterns to know how to speak to different people in different contexts, etc. Um, so as much as there's an emotional connection to comms, there's this quite analytical side as well. Totally. Absolutely. When it comes to communication, you can't have one without the other. And when you, when you do, you generally have bad communication. At the very, the very basics of it, um, in terms of the science, is knowing who you are, the message you want to give, and who you're saying it to. There's three elements. Who are you? Who are you speaking to? What are you trying to say? Now, depending on the situation you're in, is how you'd say that. So um, you would say a message to your mum, very different to your teacher, to your you know, boss, to your colleagues, to the people that you lead. What analytics does is take that to a whole new level of understanding who it is we're speaking to, what situation they're in, where do we need to be compassionate, where do we need to be strong, where do we need to embrace them on an emotional level. It's not just about marketing or PR, branding. To me, all of those come under an umbrella of communication. And I love the way that you look at brands as an overall entity, where you, it's not just looking at the marketing or looking at the PR, but it's how are they communicating? How are they being? What messages are they giving out without saying them as well? So that sounds like really solid advice. Um, obviously, marketing has seen a lot of change over the last few years with digital not necessarily replacing physical, but certainly working alongside. What key mistakes do you see people making when they start to embrace digital marketing? Key mistakes I'm I'm seeing people make when looking at digital marketing is trying to do too much uh, without necessarily knowing why they're doing it. If you could sustain a digital marketing presence that is wide-spanning, so on multiple platforms, they're brilliant. Uh, But if you can't, don't try and be on every platform, be on the right platform. There's also a, a mindset, just get out as much content as possible. That's led to very low quality content. I know of, a, I won't name him, but a, a gentleman some years ago said, Twitter doesn't work. They've been using Twitter for over a year. It doesn't work. So, so why would they bother? So I looked at their Twitter account and a lot of their content was things like cat videos. And I said, 
but you're a consultant. You're not nothing to do with cats. So why would anyone want to follow you if all you're talking about is like cats and funny videos and things like that? That's not building up the audience that's interested in what you do. Now, the occasional personality trait on your social account is actually quite positive. It helps people believe that you're a person, not just a corporation. But to only put personality on there, never talk about what your expertise are or comment on someone else's post to do with um, what you can bring to that conversation. That's, that's one of the big problems I see organisations have. And then they get disheartened and don't use it. So you're saying they get their messaging wrong and then blame the tools? Yes. Yes, a lot of the time. People have started to think, okay, I need a blog. And I run a number of training sessions on blog writing for corporations. Um, and it surprises me how many people don't realize why they need a blog. There's, there's plenty of reasons for a blog. Um, for example, search engine optimization. A blog can help you reach more keywords and rank for more things. A blog can also help you take a, a customer from um, just being aware that there is a problem. Because in some industries, people don't even know there is a problem before, let alone why you should be the person fixing it. So you're saying quite often with digital marketing that brands sometimes can feel like they've run at something, maybe didn't have the best advice available to them. They didn't quite understand the science of how these tools works, nor necessarily the art of the, the way that people communicated on them. But then they've given up on them as a bad job because... It didn't work. So in your mind, you've obviously spent a lot of time in the digital marketing arena. Is there a place still for physical marketing? There's definitely still a place for physical marketing. I don't think that digital replaces the physical. Um, I don't think digital communication replaces face-to-face -face communication. I think they can work harmoniously together. It's often a, a misunderstood or a misrepresented argument, particularly if someone kind of when they come up against someone that's talking about digital and in, in a positive way and says, well, it's not going to replace face-to-face. -face. And so, well, they weren't making that argument in the first place. It's one of those logical fallacies. Understanding what we have now, where the problems are, and what tools we can use to improve our situation, that's what digital is meant to be about. And so it's, it's like saying, well, do we think the wheel is going to replace walking? No. No, it didn't replace walking, but it was embraced at times where we couldn't walk, like when we want to go see our family in Cornwall. I'm not walking to Cornwall. <laughs> it's, you know, that would take me weeks. And so I think the same with digital. I'm not going to fly out to America every time I want to speak to one of my American clients or fly out to Europe every time I want to deliver a workshop to my European clients. That would cost our planet far too much. The cost of, of running that is difficult, but the cost to our planet is far too much. Digital allows me to do that. But am I going to go down the street and talk to you know, my local clients? Yeah, I still meet them. Sometimes even my local clients will have digital meetings because it still takes up more time to go and see them. But, but it didn't replace it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It really does. Sometimes what digital marketing is showing is it enhances traditional methods. I mean, look at the popularity of flash mobs, for example, on social media. Actually, you're talking about a very traditional way of contacting people, not necessarily in a flash mob, but face-to-face -face contact, but then being shared online to reach a wider audience. And so I think the two work mutually hand-in-hand. -hand. Digital is a bigger microphone, but it hasn't changed the message. 
thinking about digital marketing and the fact that this is a comms collective, so it's there to inspire people, to help people build. What would you, for anyone wanting to get into the digital marketing arena, what would your top three tips be? The first thing I would say, particularly um, if anyone want to get into digital marketing is start. The other thing is what I see far too often is um, people splitting the content and the delivery. Okay, so you get some people that run digital marketing companies that only do, uh, say, social ads and PPC, and other people who do only do, right, I'm a blog writer, but I don't get into the digital. And I think you're weaker when you do that, because you won't understand what each platform benefits from, what headline will work for a newspaper compared to a headline that will work for um, social media compared to a headline that works for an advert, whether that's, you know, a social advert, are all very different things. And if you're a copywriter that hasn't experienced those other things, you pass it over to someone else, then you're missing half your job. You're missing your understanding of how to connect with that audience. So it's, it's understanding that planning, content, and distribution all go together. I mean, that, there's a reason those are the three, plan, create, and share are the three pillars of We Do Stories. We started up just trying to create content for people, and we left it for them to put it on their YouTube channel and on their website. And then we'd go back to them a week later and say, you, what's going on? You, you didn't put any SEO into your YouTube channel. Um, you haven't put it in a place on your website where people can see it. And it's because they didn't know. But someone had to be there to support them through that share process. And, and that's what we now do. We, we quickly learn, right, we need to be there to help them plan it. We need them to be there to help them create it. We need to be there to help them share it. So it goes back to the science meets the art. Yes, very much so. So it's communication skills beneath that are important and knowing how to communicate personally and knowing how to communicate for an organization takes different skill sets so it's the underpinning fundamentals of communication and looking at who it is you're speaking to so you're saying you could know all the seo knowledge in the world but if you didn't understand how to adapt your voice to suit a brand then you wouldn't be communicating as effectively yeah you could have uh, every page on your website, and you maybe you've got 500 paid website, and every page is number one in Google, but still don't get any sales because you didn't know how to craft a message that got you a sale. Which you make a really good point, and I'm guessing that will be a point that we cover in a future podcast, which will be communicating with persuasion. Good. Thank you so much, Joel. You've covered so much today. Just to ask you, because you are quite a blue water strategic future person um, who's always kind of horizon scanning for what's next, where do you see the future of digital marketing? I don't think voice has had its day yet. I think it's still coming. Um, We have an Alexa and, well, we have multiple Alexas and we have multiple Google devices that we like to try and test out and, and keep up with. And they're yet to produce great answers for voice search. So I think that there's still space there in the future. Um, there's still trends. So for a while now, TikTok's going to be a, a reasonable hitter by the looks of things. Um, a lot of celebrities jumping on there. A lot of people enjoying the platform of all ages. I think it could be the next big social platform. Uh, might be a bit early to be definite on that, but that's where things are heading. But what I would suggest people do is dip their toe. So they don't have to jump into things completely. But when a new thing comes out, dip your toe in, test it out see if it works because the next big platform for me or the next big thing in digital marketing for me will be very different to the next big thing in digital marketing for a finance brand. The laws and regulations around different industries and how they communicate mean the tools that they use are going to be different. Um, So I'd say whatever's next, just keep an eye out, keep an ear out, 
dip a toe in. I think you're also quite right. I mean, you, you were championing voice as very, very early on before really the devices came out. You could see that coming. And I think you saw TikTok coming really early. It was There's been something different about TikTok. It stood out. You know, Periscope tried, Vero tried. We haven't had a new established social media platform for a long time. Now, you've mentioned, tic, you know, particularly with TikTok, you've got different brands who it's not going to be so appropriate to. And there's safeguarding concerns around it at the moment for younger users. But at the same time, it is evolving rapidly to be a platform of a lot of people's choice. It is. And do you want to know what they did differently to the other platforms you just mentioned? They allowed us to find our tribes. The other platforms didn't. And so if you've ever read any of Seth Godin's books, um, you'll probably have read tribes. It's probably his one of his biggest. But that, that concept of tribe um, it, when it comes to a marketing perspective, it actually goes through human nature. It, it's not just a marketing thing. And that's that's where we've got to understand marketing from an anthropological, psychological aspect. It's not just marketing. It's how are we human? And so back in the caves, we we created our little tribes or little clans, or, you know, depending on which culture you're from, how you would describe that. We did that by by dressing in different ways. Um, speaking different languages and so on. And social is the same. And so Periscope, it was very difficult to meet other people like me. So Vero had very little content, so finding someone like me was very difficult. Whereas TikTok, it was very easy to become part of that tribe. It was easy to find people like you. So it's reaching out to that human element. And any social platform in the future, if you want to spot which ones are going to work, is they speak to us on a human nature level, not a technology level. So they make us want to feel connected with other people. They make it easy for us to connect with people, essentially. Yes. Facebook made it easy for us to carry on connecting with our friends. That's when it was still popular. You know, it, it, Since that's become harder, that's been less. The p- platform dropped in popularity and then groups started growing again. And then so it's growing again. And Twitter allowed us to connect with strangers based around a theme instagram the same because it it embraced the hashtag it allowed us to connect with strangers in a visual way around a theme using hashtags so the popular platforms reach out to our humanity and tiktoks reached out to our humanity and allowed us to connect with strangers around a theme but taking it that one step further and encouraged us to do the same things together so we feel like we're all in the same boat we're all doing the same dance or we're all using the same sound or we all do the same joke, building that community. So they help us feel connected. Yes. And you'll find that the platforms that haven't done that are those the social platforms that died. That makes complete sense. Joel, you're always a fountain of knowledge. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, I'm sure we'll have another chat in the future, but thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe to our podcast or check us out at commscollective.co.uk. See you next time.